It slices, it dices, it makes all your dreams come true. The Creators Collective provides information not only on woodworking, but metalworking, leather, electronics and more. But that's not all. It also comes with three hosts to answer all your creating questions. Now, listen along as James Wright, Zach Herberholtz and William Walker fumble through answering your questions live each Thursday morning. Listen in now and you can have this amazing podcast for the simple monthly installment of a Patreon subscription. But we're just getting started. And we're back for another exciting week where we ask the question, what is Zach doing? <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask myself the same question every week. So I want to say a huge thank you to all of our patrons on Patreon. You are helping us make this better, uh, particularly Darren Mates. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm thinking wrong. Caleb Harris of You Can Make This Too and John from John Made It. Uh, if you'd like to help out with that, you can go to patreon.com forward slash uh, creators collective. Uh, also, you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, wherever you want to. And we are going to jump into a fun time this week. Um, Zach, during the headlights, what uh, what you been working on? Um, mostly video editing. Oh, come on. Re- you actually had an answer to this? Yeah. <laughs> well, I had, I was primed. I was thinking about it. Um, <laughs> Let's see. I'm eating oatmeal right now. All right, Zach Stacks. Yeah. Um, what What did I? What was my answer last week? I can't remember if I had. I this. think it was um. <laughs> I, I do do a lot of that. Some I can't remember if, uh, if I had this hammer finished last week or not. I don't even know. No, no. But, you were showing us your claw hammer. Oh yeah! Wow, it's been fast. Um, so yeah, I made this. This is one of the hammers I auctioned off. I'm holding it up to the camera for those of you who can see or can't see. Um, so this is a texturing hammer. I tried some new stuff with the uh, with the handle on it. It's kind of fun. Um, I actually uh, tried a uh, leather die, which works pretty well on wood. I don't know if you guys have ever. Yeah. I think uh, was it uh, uh, Tommy Hobbington? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was does. talking about that. I think he like kind of planted the bug in my head of like using leather dye, and so the thing about that versus wood dye that I found, and I might not. I mean, I'm I'm a total amateur when it comes to this, but the nice thing about leather dyes is there's like so many more options and vibrant colors and things <laughs> that you just can't. They don't make green wood dye that I know. I'm sure somebody does, but you know, it's you can go to a uh, Tandy Leather or something, and there's. Mm-hmm. It, any color you can think of they have. Uh, so the catch that I've found though is when you're applying the dyes, uh, they come off pretty easily. I mean, they not completely off, but like they'll rub off on your hand and stuff. So I actually tried something new on this one. There's pictures. This is the one that I auctioned off for anybody. You can't see it. You can just go to my Instagram and look at it. Um, but what I did was use um, friction polish, like turning polish mm-hmm. and put it on there and, kind of buffed it out on my high speed buffer and it looks amazing and it doesn't come off in your hands and it feels nice. So I feel like it's uh, my little secret that I discovered this past week. So that's cool. Yeah, I've been wanting um, to try leather dyes um, because of Tommy. Uh, it, I, I'm, I'm going to build an instrument. I'm, I've decided I'm going to build a hollow bodied instrument and I might try some cool fiddleback maple with like yeah. some dye thing yeah I'm, I'm trying to get like this the burst pattern you know where you go from like black to different colors and uh this one came out pretty well it didn't come out as i had to sand off the first time because it didn't come out very well but it's i'm learning um but uh yeah so forged a couple hammers uh 
auctioned one off to uh, NJR Workshop and uh, Nick Ryan. If anybody knows him, he's bought some other stuff of mine as well. Um, and I have this other one here, just the head. So they're like twins. Um, that uh, I'm sending this to uh, Graz from Graz Makes, and he's going to use it to forge a knife that he's going to send me. So, but I'm going to let him put a handle on this one, and he's going to let me put scales on the knife. So we save the worst part for each other. <laughs> yeah, uh, I like. It. Yeah, I'm trying to think anything else. Oh, been messing around with some uh, like engraving or chasing metal chasing, and uh, I, it's hard. It's a lot harder than you than you'd expect. Um, trying to get a consistent chip out uh, of steel is really difficult. So to just keeping your angle consistent, your pressure consistent, and uh, it's definitely been a learning experience. You don't, you know, you hit way lighter than you would think. Yeah. Have you seen, um, this is way back when, uh, the Homestead Craftsman videos yeah. on chasing? Yeah. Uh, he does really, really cool, good work, um, or at least, you know, to the untrained eye, me. Was he doing it on steel or like copper? No, he's doing it on steel, on, okay. like, on like pistols and Hmm. I've actually been playing with this week too. Yeah, I, I'm finding it a little easier, but I think that's due to the uh, the V carving background. Yeah, it's a very similar feel. Um, it's just you move slower. Yeah, I mean, there's it's there's certainly the first wood. <laughs> the first time that I tried doing it, my angle was way too steep. I was actually like using it almost like a chisel instead like of driving like, it in. Yeah, and just going super deep and like rounding off the tip of my tool like so yeah it's I, I certainly have a lot to learn i mean it's working i just feel like did you make your own gravers or do you buy them yeah i made them well i made one um you, out of carbide or spring steel or 5160 cool spring steel um yeah i don't know i mean i'm, I'm sure i'll figure it out but yeah it's 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 tricky if you're not used to it <laughs> well, what cool. you got will uh i what concrete? Do I have? <laughs> no no concrete concrete's done concrete nice. poured done uh i just have to you know start building the building but um but well, i bet we're you know fill it for you right You're yeah the pool's been filled uh, i have to let water out um yeah so we're dodging play, playing the hurricane dodging game um we do this every year uh so hurricane florence was supposed to hit uh, Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina, and then come way inland uh, to us up straight through the middle of central Virginia. And it was like, you know, the apocalypse and all the news places were, you know, hide your children, hide your wives. And uh, <laughs> uh, so then it took a turn to the south. So I've got all my chainsaw chains sharpened. I've got non-ethanol gas, diesel for the tractor, and uh, we're going to get like two inches of rain. So, um, so that's been kind of fun. Uh, I am going to install some built-in um, cabinets in a house that is being renovated uh, today. So that's that's fun. Um, I forgot how fun cabinet making was, um, where you know you've got you know sheet goods and you know you need eight of this part and eight of this part, and you just kind of set up and start ripping. And Are you being sarcastic? I, I, no, I honestly don't know. <laughs> no, no, it, it's it's fun. Like I, I don't want to be a cabinet maker. Like I don't want to do start doing full kitchens or anything. But every once in a while, it's fun to build cabinets and like see how fast things go together. 
It's um, fun versus... in a power tool shop. In a hand tool shop. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's 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 fun to to in a power tool shop to uh, cut a bunch of components and put together cabinet boxes and start making face frames and doors and like you you get to see a lot happen quickly versus you know hand cut dovetails and mortise and tenons and and you know like really fine furniture um, it, it just goes you know slower if you're me um, but uh, yeah I just released the 3d printer video uh, which is uh, cool. started some debate which is kind of fun uh, in the <laughs> it's comments. always good for always good for your uh, what do they call that uh, statistics yeah engagement. yeah so, yeah I'm just sitting back with my popcorn and watching people you know, like Paul Jackman is the king of controversial like posts. Like he posts something on Reddit and there'll be like a thousand comments about how terrible it is. And it's like the top it goes straight <laughs> to the top of every page. It's fantastic. I wonder, I feel like that's like the, uh, you know, like trolling is an art. Like people troll just to troll. You know, I have gained respect for like, there's a certain like type of troll that I have respect for. Like the Can-Am type of troll. I'm sure everybody knows who Can-Am is now, right? I, I do not. Oh but. my God, you would love Can-Am. He he like masquerades as like the 60 year old, uh, just kind of clueless man, and he just posts these things that are so stupid. Like, I just uh, it's I can't explain it. Um, Post a link. He talks about like one of them is like about how he blames NASA for gas prices going up because every trip to the moon costs 50 gas cans, like just the dumbest <laughs> things. And he's like a super intelligent guy, but like he just posts the, the things are so the things that he posts are so stupid that you can't help, but like reply to them. And they're all just, they're just perfectly, they're, they're so well thought out. So Is he it, doing it on, on Reddit? Uh, I, I don't know. I think he's, I think he's, Pretty much everywhere. A lot of them are like the Google or the YouTube like questions because seem I don't know. It, he he. There's a subreddit dedicated to him. If you type in a slash r slash Ken M and just organize by top and yeah, enjoy. <laughs> but yeah, there's a certain type of troll. I mean the 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 just flat out obnoxious offensive ones. Obviously, I don't care for. But uh, you know. There's like an art. There's an art to like proper trolling, and if it's done correctly, it could be funny. Well, I think so. People aren't actually trolling the video. They're just ha they just have opinions, and there's a lot of contrary opinions in the comments of this 3D printer video. So I, t I titled the video "Do You Need a 3D Printer in Your Workshop?" And the whole premise of the video is, you know, 3D printing from the uh, eyes of a working like a wood shop, wood and metal shop. You know, and do you need it? What can you use it for? What is it good for? Um, and I try to be pretty transparent in the video, just saying, you know, like, they sent me this printer. I printed some stuff. I think it definitely has a place. And, you know, people are commenting, you know, like, oh, 3D printing, you know, is going to be the death of craft. And this is, you know, the, you know, automation and it's going to steal jobs and we're giving all our money to China and, and, you know, and then other people are saying, no, I think 3D printers are great. You know, they're uh, just another tool. Um, it's all in how you use it. I think it's, you know, for making parts and knobs while you're working on other stuff in the workshop. And it's just funny to see the kind of back and forth of everything. And I'm just sitting back with my popcorn. Uh, and what do you think about that, James? Sorry, I was reading Ken M. 
comments. <laughs> ben Franklin said politicians are like pampers. They both stink and act like babies. Carl then comments, I hate to tell you this, Ken, but pampers weren't invented until around 50 years ago. Ken, but that's what made his comments so controversial at the time. <laughs> yeah, it's All good right. stuff. It's the time suck. You'll spend an hour or two just reading Ken M quotes. Yeah, no, I I, I like the 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 way you did that. Uh, just the, I think you handled it very well, and it made me want to get a, a foot powered three D printer. <laughs> you could get a gerbil powered three D printer. You know, get him running on the wheels. Yeah, not not too many people know, but I was actually one of the early first adopters when back when like rip wraps and things like that, where you'd make your own. And I made uh, two printers back what, eight, nine years ago? Um, oh, wow. And then got rid of them in remove and went to hand tools. <laughs> uh, cool. So what have you been working on, James? Um, I've been running my head off. Uh, <laughs> did a race this weekend. It was a three-day. It was a, a 10K on first day. It was 25 the next day. And then 50K on the third day. Um, so that was fun. And then, of course, next weekend, I'm going and doing a Ragnar. So that's 120 miles. Um, team that's run though. 120. But, oh, it's so I'll, crazy. I'll probably end up doing uh, 30 to 40 of the miles. So we'll see. That's insane. Um, but in the shop, I've actually been getting in. I've been getting back into doing more stabilizing. Um, pulled out my old vacuum pump and creating a couple new chambers so that I can uh, stabilize a couple mallets for tally ho. Uh, I brought back several scraps from the project. And I'm going to be making him uh, a proper joiner's mallet because uh, that was that was something I was missing when I was out there. Um, and I want to do more stabilization because it's 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 a really nice art, not just from the point of of taking punky and soft wood and making it hard and durable, uh, but also makes it very stable so it doesn't move much. So if you're making hand tools um, such as you know hand plane bodies or um, Tri squares or things like that, where you you don't want the wood to move through through normal expansion and contraction, it uh, it greatly slows that down, so it becomes a far more well stable wood. Then <laughs> um, what is the other thing? Oh, the, the dovetails. Um, I have a video coming out uh, today. Actually, uh, I I am a big poo pooer of jigs and guides. Um, I, I so like you're doing do, a video on them. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to do everything. If possible, I like to do it freehand. Um, number one, it makes me feel like I have a little bit more of the, the skill into the work. Uh, number two, it tends to speed things up when you're working with hand tools. It, uh, jigs and, and guides always slow you down. Um, and if you can do it freehand, you can do it faster. Um, and so I, I like to teach myself that. But they have a place because if you're new to hand-cutting dovetails, Doing them freehand can be very daunting and a, a hard skill to um, to master. And, and for most people, you know, it's a year or two of of making dovetails until you can freshly cut one and, and be very happy with the joint. Uh, whereas if you get a you know magnet guide, you can slap it on there and your first time make a really nice, tight, clean dovetail with a handsaw. Um, so I'm actually doing a video where I'm making uh, a set of dovetails each way and comparing them both along the process and showing um, what the differences are and what my thoughts are. So it's a, it should be a fun controversial one. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, I'm, I'm in the same boat as far as like, eventually I want to get to the point where like, I don't need jigs on stuff. And, 
but I, but I do feel like starting out sometimes, or at least being around somebody like you need to experience firsthand what a proper something looks like. Yeah. yeah. Whether it's, whether it's somebody else in your shop showing you, you know, like a what does sharp actually feel like, yeah, you need, mm-hmm. you need to like, you need to see the process of something done properly um, firsthand and be able to ask questions, that sort of thing. So if, if that means, you know, like I said, doing it with somebody that knows how to do it and picking their brain, that's one thing, or using a jig for the first time so that you actually have something to compare your future work against, you know, it's the same thing, you know, with me and like when I started doing like knife bevels and stuff is like using a jig at first to figure out like, okay, this is the muscle memory. Like this is the angle I need to hold stuff at. Um, and then once you get that down, you can start kind of, uh, divorcing from using those things. Yeah. That's that's my strategy, unless you're Will and you just. Well, jump I think right there's in. there's two different types <laughs> of jigs or guides. There are the guides that, um, like well, like the dovetail guide with a magnet, where you put the saw on it. You still have to run the saw. You still have to build that muscle memory of how does it feel to cut, and that guide actually will help you learn that skill faster. Uh, but then there's other jigs that will do the cutting for you, and you're not actually learning with the jig how to do it. If that makes sense. Um, and so I, I, I think for people starting out, if you can find a jig or a way where you're still doing the work and you get to learn how does it feel, what does it look like, as opposed to a, a jig that does it for you, um, I think that that's where the benefit is for me. So I've got – talk about controversial. Um, can we all agree that, that Mike Pekovich uh, is a pretty phenomenal woodworker? Yeah, no, uh, I, I think he needs a lot of work to do. I don't know who that is. <laughs> He's the art director for fine woodworking. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Uh, but his Instagram is, is incredible. Like it's just like everything he does, like it's in this beautiful, like warm, natural light in his shop. And it's just like this soft, beautiful, everything and everything he touches. Yeah. Like it just, it'd be, it's funny just like, if, it'd be funny if you were the editor and like all of his work was just shoddy and terrible. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh no, but he cuts his, and he'll talk about this. He prefers to cut his dovetails at the table saw, um, with it, with a, you know, with a jig, with a sled, or with a, you know, like a, a thing that you slide over the blade. Um, and I think that's really, really funny because uh, he advocates, you know, whatever gets you there in the finished product that you like. Uh, so, yeah. what do you, what do you think about that, James, as a hand tool guy? Oh, I love it. Uh, the the more the more people find what is enjoyable to them as opposed to what is fast and efficient, the more I agree with it, even if it's a completely different method, because I do things that most people think are absolutely dumb because they're the slower method, but I find that to be very fun. Um, and, and if the shop is there for you to have fun, if the shop is there for you to get away from the world and relax, uh, the method you choose should be determined by what enjoyment you get out of it, not by is it the most efficient method. And, and yeah. some people that that efficiency is what is fun to them, and in which case, then great. But, sure. Uh, different strokes for different people. So well, 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 we're sort of on the topic of beautiful and terrible woodworking. I invite everybody to check out this link right there. This is a Reddit subreddit called shitty woodworking and uh, <laughs> it's hilarious. It is, uh, it is the worst of the worst. I'll have to check that out after the it show. Will make you feel really good. <laughs> That's it. Uh, so, yeah, all right. Well, there you go. So I prefer to cut my dovetails at the bandsaw. Actually, I have a little one and one to eight jig that I made. 
speaking of jigs, um, and I cut all my tails on the bandsaw, and then I hand cut my pins. I I usually weld mine together. You weld your dovetails? Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Where are we on in life? Uh, well, I think I'm looking right at carrot joinery on, on shitty woodworking. Somebody's doing mortise and tannins with carrots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, this podcast right. has gone downhill. <laughs> you actually have quite I quit. <laughs> What's that? You have quite a few questions. Several have come in over the last week, and several okay. left over from let's last podcast. <laughs> uh, let's see, uh, JW Craftsman. How many times do you rearrange or reorganize your shop before you're actually happy with the layout? After working in the shop a few months, I've I always think of, and he stops there. I always think of two. Um, <laughs> Uh, every six months, I rearrange the shop. Absolutely. I uh, Every time I rearrange the shop, I fall in love with my new layout. And then six months later, I look at it and go, this is stupid. And then I rearrange everything. <laughs> you remember uh, like when you were a kid and that was like the most exciting thing is like moving your bed to another side, like another side. Yeah, rearranging like, your bedroom. It felt like a whole new world. And give it to my parents and, and propose the, the, the room rearrangement. That's funny. Uh, we used, Yeah, I used to do that. That's funny that we all had that same... Like I rearrange my room and then like have to go tell my sister and my parents to come look. And yeah, <laughs> yeah it's funny. It was, it was pretty great. Um, God, I, I don't know. I think my shop gets, it's really hard to work in a, in a small space. I'm sure anybody. You keep getting a new influx of tools. I do. And I mean, I have, I have way too many tools for my space. Like it is, it's like an obstacle course. I feel like, you know, like in the, the obstacle course where they have like those tire things that you have to like jog over mm-hmm. and all the tires stuck together. I feel like that's my shop all the time. Like I'm always like stepping over things. Um, yeah. But uh, so, I, you know, I think every, ideally at the end of every project, I do a, a deep clean and try and organize things, put things back, you know, that sort of thing. Doesn't always happen, uh, but I, I try to. And anytime I get a new piece of equipment, I have to. I'm kind of forced to rethink my layout and try and make things work and try and get rid of things. Uh, just probably a month or two ago, I went through and I finally threw out like 90% of all the things that I've been holding on to for like that someday project, you know, like pieces of wood that I've had for two years that I'm like, oh, that'll come in handy someday. And, you know, pieces of metal and all sorts of weird things that I've just held on to because with no definitive plan. I don't know if anybody else does that. You know. <laughs> so I think that's a good uh you know when you're doing that big purge, um, especially because I just set up my online store uh com slash shop. Um where you know, it forces you to make a bunch of stuff out of the those, you know, someday pieces of wood and then sell it or give it away as a gift or anything like that. Um, yeah. I just threw it all in the garbage. <laughs> oh, blasphemy. I, mean, I kept, I kept like my good hardwood, but I had like seriously like six inch chunks of like pine and just weird, just stuff. That's pretty much trash. I mean, oh, and, oh, yeah. and you know, lots of, lots of it and like little metal pieces that I'm sure I could have used them. But when I thought about it, I'm like this stuff, and it's hard to throw away because by itself, it doesn't take up a whole lot of space. But next to it's 400 buddies, you know, that are little tiny, just a huge, it ends up taking up, eating up a lot of space. And I think, well, what's more valuable to me? Like saving, you know, 
maybe a couple bucks by having all these little tiny scrap material next time I need to do something or like having an extra four feet of floor space. I'm like the floor space is way more valuable to me than whatever I'm going to save by having these completely random things that I might never use. So I, I really, it was kind of difficult, but it was very like, it was actually a really good feeling to, to just like go through and purge everything yeah, that i don't yeah cathartic i believe is yes. the word for yeah, matt cremona does that once a year and actually has this massive pile of lumber and he'll post pictures of it and say anyone want it come get it yeah i've thought about opening up my shop like on a weekend and just saying like you know come raid my wood pile you know for like stupid cheap prices like air dried walnut like you know a dollar board foot that's insane yeah walnut's but, like I think it's thirteen or fourteen dollars a board foot here. Holy crap! Yeah, it's eight eight dollars a board foot for the plain stuff, and then the highly figured stuff is ten. Yeah, here. it's it's see walnut up here is like six to eight dollars a board foot. Yeah, the further north you go, the better everything is. Half the trees are walnut. Yeah, that well, that's I was talking to my guy at the at my hardwood dealer um, a few years ago when walnut you know, went through the roof here because it was like $6, four to $6 a board foot, you know, five years ago. And then it just shot through the roof. And I asked like, Hey, what's going on? And he's like, well, we have to ship it all. You know, like I'm getting it from mills, you know, in the Midwest and we have to ship it, you know, freight all the way here. And so that drives the, the price up. Yeah. Um, yeah talking about shop organization. I, I think that's actually a power tool problem because I have absolutely no desire to rearrange my shop. Um, I, I did when I expanded the shop and basically created a new shop in my basement. Um, but as I stand in one place and all of my tools are within reach where, where I'm standing at the bench, um, I don't really have a need to move things around. Wow. Uh, JW Craftsman says he pays two to four dollars a board foot for walnut. That's insane. Yeah. yeah if, I, if I go to my if I go to my local uh, Sawyer, um, a guy about uh, forty five minutes away from me, I can pick up walnut for a buck fifty. That's insane. A song quarter, a four quarter. Is it dry? Yeah, air dried. See, like if uh, if I need like anything cheetah print or like insure or you know any, <laughs> any sort of like centrum silver, like I can buy that shit in bulk for dirt cheap down here. Uh, a whole black market for that stuff. Uh, that uh, burial plots probably really cheap. <laughs> Jonathan24 asks, uh, how do you get uh, musical creativity versus DIY creativity? Uh, do your music ideas pop into your head? Thinking of a song isn't like turning steel into a knife. Uh, clever project ideas come from a need for a solution. How do you know you aren't ripping off anyone else? Ripping any ripping off anybody else with the music or with the... Yeah. Oh, I don't care. I don't... I mean, if, if I come up with something and it happens to sound like some some something else like that i didn't intend for i don't know <laughs> i mean uh, i don't know this is I, a topic that has been you know talked about through through the eons uh there's only so many chords um there's only so many notes there's only so many you know there's different styles of music but that was like when um who is it sony tried to sue john fogarty for sounding too much like credence clearwater revival <laughs> <laughs> Who who was the front man for Creedence yeah. Clearwater Revival? Yeah, and the whole thing was like, "You're suing me for sounding like me." Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, and emulation is a is a huge, you know, like we all emulate in some way. Like you know, 
the pieces of furniture I I make aren't you know going to be completely original. They're going to come from somewhere. I saw something somewhere. You heard a piece of music that you liked somewhere. I mean, yeah. you know, rock and roll, uh, you know, is deeply rooted in classical music. I mean, it's you know, I, I don't know. That's I wouldn't worry about it. I, like I think said. with music, like the, you you know. And that's all I care about is like integrity. Like if you're ripping else, if you're, if you're legitimately trying to rip off a song, like, you know, that you're trying to rip off a song. Uh, if you can be influenced by a song, be like, wow, I really like the, uh, the drums on that song. Like, that's a cool beat. I'm going to write a song around that drum beat. And it's something else like that's, that's different. I think that's fine. Um, so like, you know, trying to, I think that's where the line is on that. As far as like creativity goes, I, I hate like I, I I dislike talking about creativity because you can't do it without sounding like a pretentious schmuck. Like you can't talk like, you know what I mean? It's like so it's super hard to like talk about like how you get your ideas and your inspiration without sounding like snooty. Um, but I, I really think that honestly, like if you're a creative person, you, it, it doesn't matter. Like there's there's it's just how you let it out. You know, it's uh, I, I think. It, it, it's how do I explain this? Like for me, I, I feel like it doesn't matter what medium I'm expressing it through, like whether it's design or building something or uh, music, it just depends on the mood. Sometimes I want to just chill with the guitar and play around with music. Sometimes I want to be out in the shop doing stuff. And I mean, that's only, I guess that's just my experience. So. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like this is, this can kind of bridge any creative uh, application, but you know, when you get in the zone, you know, it's like when you're really feeling, you know, when you're, you've got a guitar in your hand and you're really feeling it, like you're like really just getting down on it. And like, even if you sound like crap, like you sound, you think you sound awesome. Uh, same way in the shop, like when Thanks, you just, <laughs> I was, I meant the colloquial you, you know, like the, you know, me. Um, but like when you get in the shop, James, like, do you ever just like, get in the groove and like really feel it when you're like, like oh, yeah. batching out some dovetails. Yeah. No, uh, not when batch. It's most of the time when I like experimenting with something new. Yes. Playing with a new idea and like uh, engraving uh, the other day, I just pulled out a scrap piece and just went random items. And the next thing I know I've been down there for two and a half hours. Like, Oh, where'd that go? That's, that's <laughs> like, that's my drug. I think put on a good like, piece of music and leave the camera off. And it's just, it's, Oh yeah. yes. Like that's my favorite thing. Like is uh, you nailed it. Perfect. Like I love, I feel the most creative when I'm like trying new things and it gives me ideas and I'm like, Oh man. And I get all excited because I'm like, Oh, I can work this into this other project. And the ideas just start and you just have like this manic state of, uh, you know, ideas and enthusiasm and like that, that's the, I think that's why I like jump ship so much and do different mediums and try and try and learn different things. Cause that's the feeling that I get. And it just, it's, it's very positive. Cool. cool. I think we butchered that question enough. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if we actually answered this uh, uh, question from John Made It, one of our patrons on Patreon. So thank you for that, John. Um, I'm terrible at identifying wood types. How do you guys learn to identify them? Is there a good guide to identify different species of wood? Bruce Hoadley's Understanding Wood, I think, is the book that's like the the Bible of woodworkers. See, I don't like books. That's <laughs> um, just surprising. Because you like old-timey everything. I, I know. I, I find books to be such an inefficient method of information transfer that I, they're... Um, because, like, if I'm out in the woods and I see a tree, I want to 
look through it. But if I have to look through a book, I have to go page after page. Is it this leaf? No. Is it this leaf? No. Is it this leaf? No. Is it this leaf? There's probably apps um, for, for that. Yeah. And that, that's what I was going to say is you can get an app. Uh, there, are, there are a couple different ones. There's one from the Arborist uh, Society, I think it is. But if you if you search tree identification app, it's usually the top one. Um, well, and what I mean, it is, it asks too- you categories. So like, is it a needle or is it a leaf? And then you pick a leaf. Uh, does the leaf... Uh, do the leaves spine opposite of each other or are they staggered on the branch? And it goes through all these things that narrows it down and narrows it down and narrows it down. It says, it's this tree. And then shows that's you cool. pictures, its fruit, its bark. And it's yeah. you say, yes, that's it. Or no, let's back up a couple steps and re-go at it. Um, and so you can very quickly identify um, trees that way. But yeah, I, I think I, it, I think it kind of depends on the type of like memory. Cause that's one type that's like, uh, you know, like, being able to, to get to the bottom of things quickly. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is like trying to, to build that, I don't know, not rote memory, but like that, that yeah. base yeah, yeah. understanding of like, you know, so whether something is porous or ring porous and depending on whether you're trying to identify a tree or lumber or I, don't I know. was going to say mean, the lumber. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, knowledge is knowledge. I try, try and try and learn as much as I can. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's, it's still a great book. I mean, that's, that's like one of the, I feel like it's, it's like a, not a rite of passage, but it's like a, I mean, it's, it's a very, very informational book. There's a lot of stuff. I feel uh, like as much no matter, as I say, I hate books. I have that one on my shelf. So yeah, it's, there's, there's a lot of good info in there. So I have no books and I've gone the route of experience, not to sound yeah. like a jerk, um, but just working with woods that you know what they are. Like if you go to the, you know, your hardwood dealer and you buy a stick of white oak, a stick of red oak, a stick of walnut, a stick of cherry, a stick of hard maple, a stick of soft maple, you know, and working with it enough and you get to know the properties of it. And then when you're out somewhere and somebody says, hey, I have this piece of wood, what is it? Well, now, like, I can look at the certain characteristics and say, oh, that's white oak or that's red oak. And that yeah. those two are really actually hard to tell apart um, without seeing the tree. Um and, and unless you put them right next together and you're like, okay, this one is, you know, a little bit more red. This one's a little bit more brown. Um, but, uh, you know, and looking at the the end grain, looking, you know, if there's any kind of, you know, medullary ray flex, I can be like, oh, well, that's oak. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. Experience really is the best teacher. Yeah. yeah. The more you play with, the more experience you have, the, the that's... And there's there's so many weird exotic woods that I think it would yes. be like it would be ridiculous to I mean I think if you can if you can on visual tell apart you know ten different types of wood you're you're probably pretty set like that's probably ninety percent of what you're going to come across if it's purple it's probably purple heart you know if it's like you know there's there, there's there's some obvious ones out there and you know pine and even but you know even oak and uh, ash can sometimes look a lot of Ab- like absolutely I feel like, I feel like ash is like the slightly cooler more grainy figured version of oak and it's cheaper here yeah. at least and it tastes different it tastes <laughs> that's a good that's well, a good the, identifier yeah. yeah there are actually a few different types of white oak that look almost identical to red oak and, yeah um, especially well then you start getting into like pin oak uh, which is a red oak or uh, black oak which is a red oak yeah and so there's there's uh, like the difference between a, a swamp oak and a bur oak are almost identical, um, but are far more wild than like a white oak or an actual white oak. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you can get into all those little details of like, you know, what is a soft maple? Uh, because there are dozens of different types of 
soft maple. It's any type of maple that's not a hard maple. But then each one of those has its own slight characteristic. And so you can actually dive into the list even deeper there. I was trying to come up with some sort of Burr Oak musical joke for the podcast. I couldn't quite <laughs> put it together. Uh, yeah. Boo. Boo. Um, no, it was like, you know, talking about, you know, identifying wood. I just sold my 18 inch planer cause I got a 20 inch planer and the guy that came down to buy it, you know, I put it on a pallet for him and he was talking about, Oh, the pallet woods. And you know, I only get pine and I looked down and I was like, Oh, well, on that pallet, there's, you know, some soft ambrosia maple. There's, you know, white Oak that's Southern yellow pine. That's, you know, and he was kind of like, you could tell that just by looking at it. It's all rough. And I was like, yeah, well you look for certain characteristics. The more you play with it, the more you know it. <clears throat> words to live by james <laughs> oh man okay on that note, so many uh, shirts like every podcast we get like a great <laughs> shirt idea <laughs> i think we're actually out of questions so if you have a question you'd like to have us answer feel free to send it one of us or uh put it on a comment somewhere where we'll find it and we'll try and get it on the list otherwise you can join us live and we do normally pull our comments from there um, oh, this week we do not, we're not going to do the creator's photo challenge as that is due next week. Uh, so you have one more week to get in your photos challenge before Zach stops his dogs from barking. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Oh, it's the, uh, the, uh, freestyle. So you get to do whatever you want. We're just looking for a picture in your shop or woodworking or project or something you're making and make it fit some of the uh, the topics that we have discussed on the creator's photo challenge and so yes, we're looking use, for some interesting stylized pictures use use what you've learned using the compositional elements that we have we have challenged you with um to make a, a fantastic photo and we'll judge you <laughs> and we'll judge you uh now we have like uh three or four pictures in so the uh, there's some good ones too. wide open and I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys put out. Uh, let's see. Joke of the week. We actually just got one from Stephen Ellis. And this is this is a solid one. I like this one. What do you call a jazz fan? Oop, it just jumped at me. What do you call a jazz fan that uses hand tools? A soul man. Oh, mm. that's, that's, that's terrible. <laughs> that's exactly what we're looking for. So uh, I've actually been thinking about uh, new T-shirt designs. <laughs> James <laughs> and, is losing it. And I wanted to do something with like a silhouette of a hand plane and have something about like I've got soul or I've, you know, something like that. And they all sound stupid. And this joke just um, clarified that for better. me. <laughs> no, it, 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 it just re-solidified my, no, that's that's bad. <laughs> that's what we're going for though so if you've got a great idea leave it in the in the live comments uh and i'll make a shirt i need another shirt idea i, I mean i like my shirt but you know i, I need something something else i thought my sometimes well, i make things shirt was going to do what well is on your, like, what's on your shirt zach it's washington yeah well it actually says washington which if oh. you're if you live in washington you know that's how old people pronounce it i thought it was going to say i want to live here hands washington what'd you say i thought it was i thought it said i want to live here yeah pretty much i miss i miss home you should make a shirt that says zh fabrications and have um some pine trees that 
come up like I'm on either side of your logo and it says pining for the North Pacific Northwest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And all the money will go into like my, your moving fund. <laughs> yeah. How's that GoFundMe going? I think it's a $10. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all Let's right. What there's, there's like people with like, you know, cancer and stuff that need money way more than I do. So <laughs> yes, it's, it's a hard one to compete with there, Zach. Well, I don't want, I, I, I kind of felt bad after that thing came out. I'm like, I can't do this. Let's get into what's inspiring us. Uh, what are we watching, reading? Uh, Will, what you got? Uh, I am uh, Wood Magazine. Um, totally lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Uh, so I've been cutting uh, some shelves, some some adjustable shelves for these built-ins, and I needed, needed to edge band the plywood, um, which normally I would just, you know, rip off uh, a thin... A thin slice of wood, you know, sixteenth of an inch, and then just glue it onto the edge, um, and that'd be fine because I'm not usually doing that many shelves. But because I'm doing so many shelves, I want all the edge banding to be the identical thickness. Uh, and ripping a sixteenth inch strip of wood can be kind of spooky if you're doing it with the fence, you know, really close to the blade versus cutting it on the other side of the blade. So, uh, a Wood Magazine put out on YouTube how to cut thin strips of wood on the table saw. And basically you put your fence on the other side of the blade. Um, use that as a reference. You space uh, with a block of wood, a stop block, uh, plus a 16th inch uh, strip of wood. And that's your, now your gauge for the blade. You lock down your stop block with either double-sided tape or use a, uh, you know, like the mag switch or something like that. You put the, fence back on the other side of the blade and now you can slide your wood and reset your fence up to that stop block of wood and cut 16 inch strips every time um, and you just move your fence referencing that stop block and i thought it was a pretty neat tip and they say cutting with a hand tool is slow <laughs> well once you get it set up speaking of jigs once you get it set up you can rip as many as you want yeah. you know that's a cool idea that's yeah that was cool how about you james um i'm gonna uh put up uh, chop with chris um he is a, a youtube fun guy and uh, he creates these weird and wild and terribly cool things um and chops them out with hand tools um and most of the time it's it's like large chunks of lumber he's found alongside the road and he carves them into something uh, like he recently built a a huge throne with game of thrones um theme to it with the not like the sword throne but with the um, the crest of uh, one of the houses. I don't remember which one. Um, and just really cool. But he recently did a bowl carving where he carved this like two foot long oval bowl. Uh, it's just beautiful, beautiful work. So definitely got to check out Chop with Chris. He is one of my favorite YouTube channels when he puts out something I'm watching. What about you, Zach? Cool. Um, I have, so I, I'm going to reference a guy named Yuri Tuckman, I think. Uh, it's a video on chasing you, engraving. He does like this. Didn't you did that one last week? That's who I James last week. Yeah. Cool. Good really? Yeah. Really good. <laughs> well, I'm gonna recommend him again because <laughs> that's really weird. Yeah, he does some amazing stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's a I mean, he doesn't have a whole lot of videos out, but uh, it's it has all the information you could want, and uh, he does amazing work. So that is going to be my suggestion for the week. Yuri Tuckman. Cool. Let's see. Uh, so, what's your favorite tool of the week, Zach? Uh, I think I have one of those too. <gasps> you do? 
Look at that. Um, okay, yes, uh, Shinto Saw Rasp. I might have used that one before, but I used it a lot in the past couple of weeks, so I'm going to suggest it again. It is, you know, I have, I've been, one of the things that takes the longest with handle making is, or I mean with hammers, is handle making. And I've tried a whole bunch of different things. I have like every tool you could think of that might be useful for making handles. I mean, I've, you know, I've, I've experimented with different things on the bandsaw. I have oscillating sander. I have the disc and belt sander. I have, um, uh, uh, draw knives. Uh, and, and, uh, I, the fastest way I've found is to, to get everything roughed out pretty close on the bandsaw and then just go after it with, uh, this wood rasp. It takes, takes material off insanely fast and it makes it really, but it's not too fast to where you can screw up easily. I mean, it's just, just fast enough to where you can still kind of get the profile. Yeah. Um, you know, I obviously sand after that, but yeah, there's a, there's a coarse side and a fine side, but what's really nice is for like the swells and stuff. It's really easy to, to get like natural kind of palm swells and tapers on the handle that are comfortable. And it, like I said, it doesn't take it off so fast to where you can, you know, go too far too easily so it's i have that really nice tool i have that same rasp i love it yeah pretty Um, incredible i feel like i'm i as i progress in my woodworking i tend to lean more on the japanese style tools versus the western tools which i think is interesting um it seems like especially with their saws it seems like it makes more sense to pull i mean Mm -hmm. when you try and push with a saw it wants to bend it wants to bow it just seems like pulling would be you know a more kind of a logical way to approach things. Yeah. I, yeah, it's just, it's funny. I don't know. The, I like the Shinto rasp and the Japanese pull saws. I also find them more affordable. Like the cheap, like a cheap Dazuki saw is Mm -hmm. like just as good at cutting, you know, in, in obviously an opposite direction than a Western saw. Um, But, you know, then a really high end Western saw, I mean, like they, it's, like if you buy a cheap Western saw, I don't think you're going to be very happy. But if you buy a cheap, cheap Suzuki saw, it's like, yeah, that works. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. No, it's much the thoughts? same way with a lot of Japanese tools, except for chisels. Chisels, it's the opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. What you got, uh, Will? Um, half inch pipe clamps. Uh, they're just a good old standby. I I think that they are an incredibly uh, affordable, good clamping tool uh and you can just go to your hardware store and buy whatever length of half inch pipe you need um even i've got some fancier uh fancier clamps and i always seem to reach for my pipe clamps i just i like i like them i had someone talk to me recently saying well you should never use half inch pipe clamps they're not strong enough you need three quarter inch i'm like do you know what the tensile strength of a half inch pipe is (laughs) (laughs) a lot yeah yeah what do you got james i'm gonna have to go with the veritas custom hand plane and uh, this is if if i could pick any particular hand plane this would be the one and it is veritas basically said okay everyone up until now has been reimagining the bailey stat bailey pattern plane remaking the stanley's and that's great but why not try and remake it and so they basically redesigned the hand plane and put in a ton of bells and whistles and reshaped it and now you can actually buy them where you can specify the bed angle the iron of the steel the handle type the tote type um and you can actually 
customize your hand plane and they have them in four, four and a half, five, five and a half, and seven. Um, they're incredibly expensive. <laughs> but uh, what's they, it, are, are they like uh, uh, Lee Nielsen expensive? Uh, like 400 bucks. A really? Are, they're that what much? Are, what are Lee Nielsen's now? Uh, 300. Really? Yeah. Well, but they also don't have the customs. Um, yeah. Like, I think they, a Lee Nielsen number four. There's other things on there's like uh, there, there are pins on the side that hold the blade from shifting side to side. So when you sharpen it and you bring it back, you put it back in the exact same place. It is laterally adjusted automatically. Um, and it has a, a Norris adjuster, which I find to be far more accurate and fine tunable. Um, so many other things on it just make them a much superior hand plane, uh, much more solid, very functional. Uh, they're just like exactly what I want in a hand plane and more. So nice. worth it, but you got to have the money for it. <laughs> so alternatively, um, talking about, you know, worth it versus not, and this is no dig to Tom Lee Nielsen. I, I think your tools are super pretty, super great. Uh, I got my hands on a Lee Nielsen number four and a half next to my uh, Bedrock number six oh four, and meh. <laughs> like it was the the well, Lee Nielsen it, was pretty. It's basically, it's a Bedrock. That's it is. It's it's modeled one. after the Bedrock. Yeah, but for three hundred and fifty dollars versus you know finding one and tuning it up. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Now, if you start getting into their bronze ba- bodies, those are those heavy. are just sexy. <laughs> what's what's the perk of bronze? It's heavier and it looks good. And it looks good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's the whole thing with Lee Nielsen is it, that the tools look good, and you walk into a shop that's full of Lee Nielsen tools, and you're like, ooh. Yeah. This this guy must know what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, on that note, I think we have wasted enough of your time, and I want to thank you for hanging around, particularly those in you the live chat. If you'd like to join us, usually Thursday at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern time. We are live on the YouTube channel, Creators Collective, and we'd love to have you join us in the chat and have your questions answered on air. If you have a question you'd like to hear us fumble through. I feel like we should have a guest soon. We haven't had a guest for a while. Yeah, we haven't had a guest in a while. Who should we have on? Let us know. Yeah, let us know. Tell us. Yeah, tell us. And we'll make it happen, even if they don't want it. Mark Spagnuolo. Anybody. (laughs) We can get to anybody. We had Paul Sellers and Mark Spagnuolo on at the same, same time. show. Yeah. <laughs> We're that good. I, I would tune into that one. I'll call Mike Pekovich too. Sweet. Uh, well, that's about it. So until next time, have a wonderful day. Later. See you guys. Thanks again for listening to The Creators Collective. We publish weekly on Thursdays in iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can follow us on social media pages everywhere at Creators Collective. We're also live streaming every week on Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Just look up the YouTube channel to join in on the fun of the live chat and get your questions answered live. And until next time, keep on creating.